and welcome to the Backpacking Podcast, the only podcast where Jeremiah Stringer shares intimate details about his own personal life. Often unwarranted. <laughs> Most times Most unwarranted. <laughs> How you doing, Jeremiah? I'm doing great, man. Dude, it is, it is season two, episode two yes. of the Backpacking Podcast. We even have a fancy new color scheme for our logo. Yeah, I like it. I like it because it's earth it's kind of like earth-oriented, and you got the browns and the greens and the dark colors. Speaking of the browns, what a great football team. The Cleveland Browns. <sighs> yeah, you were drinking out of a Cleveland Browns coffee mug recently. and um, Yeah, if they're watching on YouTube, they can see. I said where quarterbacks go to die. You said they got Baker Mayfield. We'll see how long that lasts. I don't know. Uh, he's, he's coming back, buddy. He's coming back. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm not a big uh, NFL guy, I don't really have a team. Well, you're a college guy, aren't you? Yeah, but I like to hate on all the NFL teams. So if you're a fan, then I like to hate on them. Well, at least you're <laughs> at least you're uh, you're not teamist, so that's good. That's true. That's good. We'll go with that. So so today we got a really interesting topic to talk about. Yeah, but I'm, before we talk about the topic, okay, what I'm, is? I'm, I'm cutting you off. Before we talk about the topic, that sounds like a plug. Something came off in our last episode. I shouldn't say something came off. You said something in our last episode that brought great distraught and worry to me. What is it? You're shaving the beard. Mm. Yeah, well, we'll see. If it's up to me, then I'll be like, nah. It is a lot of work, man. Once you start growing a beard, you know, you got to take care of it. Or you're getting the split ends and stuff that the girls yeah. with the long hair complain about. Mm-hmm. Getting all brittle and wavy and stuff, but... It is a lot of work. You kind of get used to it. But Bridget wants her sexy, like, chiseled jawline, like, Greek god sculpted, like, chin. Well, see, here's the thing. Some guys like you grow a beard and it hides that. <laughs> yeah. People like me grow it and we hide our double chins. <laughs> nah, bro. That, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what I have the beard for. He, like, you don't see that, like, you know, there's, there's more than one chin underneath this fr- first one. So I think you look great, man. I, I like the beard. We have to with that. Oh, thanks. I actually look really weird without a beard. Do you? My wife, I, I shaved my beard off maybe a year or two ago. Maybe it was before the kids were born even. Um, but yeah, I shaved my beard off. My wife looked at it and she goes, don't do that again. Really? She likes the beard. You know what? Now, she's not as crazy about it being longer, but she's not crazy about it being shaved off. I think that we could get um, like a sponsorship by some kind of beard company. Because I'm pretty Ooh. sure that we have... At least a like, I'd say at least a ninety second um, quota that we have to meet every podcast to talk about beards. We, at we least actually do we, and we can pick up a new sponsor. <laughs> I'm down picking up a new sponsor. Message me, yeah, we, email we could, me. We could we could pick up a beard product sponsorship pretty quick and be happy with it. If somebody will pay me, there's no way I'll shave the beard. I'll and I'll use the product every single day. Yeah, I probably won't, but I'll definitely take the money. <laughs> And I'm there with the sponsorship. Sponsorship's I'm just gone. Kidding. No. I'm just kidding. I do have a barber that has a beard. Did I tell you about this? Yes. Yes, you did. And if you haven't heard this before, real quick, he said he won't shave his beard because it makes him so much money. People like walk into the barber shop and they're like, I'll take the guy with the beard because he's got like an eight inch beard or something. And he grooms it probably really well, doesn't oh, he? Looks great. I was like, can you trim up my neck under the beard? He's like, no, no, no. That's what's going to make your beard look full. You never, if you're growing out your beard, I learned that. I learned that. That was what my problem was for a long time with mine. Yeah. I was shaving up underneath, and so it almost was like see through. Yeah. And he's like, look. And he like tucked his away, and he's like, look how thin it looks. And he's like, yeah. Look at it now. 
I figured that out. That's why my beard doesn't look as thin as it did before. It's yeah, starting to look it more full. Very full, man. It's it's coming along, and it's going to get better. You look great. We had Tim Watson on, and he has a beard grown too. Yeah, if, and if he, you haven't heard that episode, yeah, that was that was a uh, that was our last episode, and and he's he's turned me on to the idea of getting a beard straightener. I think that's a no no, man. Well, your hair doesn't grow like mine does either. No, it's wavy, dude. Whenever you, you get out of the maybe, shower, yours may be wavy, but mine's straight up like curly and kinky. Like it looks like I really have to work on mine not to be horrid. Wonder why. I guess that's just genetics. Yeah, it probably is. I have bad genetics on on that. <laughs> There's a guy. I, I have a wedding coming up, and I gra- I grabbed my suit and like um, you know, I had it like altered and stuff, and you know, whatever typical wedding suit stuff. Right. And I was talking to this guy, and we were just making small talk while they were altering the suit. So I drove out of town to get it, and, and he, he he was complaining about his beard, and I was like, "Well, how old are you, dude?" Because he's like talking about my beard. And he was like, I'm 33. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. I was like, you probably screwed on the genetics, man, because at 33, it's probably not going to grow in. Funny story. Funny story. <laughs> what is it? I couldn't grow a beard until I was 35. 35? 35. I've heard of 30. Yeah, I was, uh, um, and I still, like, right here, like, if you're looking online, right there, um, these two spots underneath my mustache just don't. Don't grow hair. Mine doesn't grow there either. And it also so, doesn't grow on one side of my, like, soul patch yeah, area. See, my, I have it's a really weak clear. soul patch, too. So, like, um, I have a lot of chin beard, but I don't have a lot under my yeah. under my mouth. So well, This is where the beard is. Yeah. But yours, the, you've got, like, a real nice section right here. Look at that. Yeah, How that's, weird is that's that? good, dude. That's good. I wish I could do that. Tuba Solo the Hawker? Yes. A.K.A. Tuba the Solo Hawker. <laughs> <laughs> Steve. That's okay. He's not listening to us anyways. He may be listening, man. We'll have to tell him to. He has a nice soul patch, man. Oh, yeah. He's got that California soul patch. That's what it is. It's the dark skin, like the nice tan, the L.A. sun, and year-round, and then the soul patch. He's one of those guys that I think he could wear a tutu and still look cool. Yeah, dude. He's he's, got it going on. It's just something about Steve. He just always looks cool. Throw on some sunglasses. If I was him, I'd wear sunglasses 24-7. Like, when he goes hiking, it's like stylish hiking. Bro, yeah, and he's killing it in the late videos, too. These hiking videos. His thumbnails crack me up. Yeah, dude's pretty cool. Anyways, <laughs> so so all of that to talk about the beard real quick, I want to throw an idea out. Now, that's not something we've talked about, by the way. I'm I'm doing this for the first time, so um, this is not something that that was planned. I'm I'm bringing this up for the first time now, but there was an Instagram follower who posted the idea of if you're gonna shave the beard, why not shave it for charity? And so, Who's I don't know. Who's getting the charity? I don't know yet. If the charity goes to me, well, it depends on well, if, the if your wife's going to make you shave it regardless. Might what, as well. what can we do for for the idea of, of raising some money to help some other people out? Well, I'll tell you what Darwin does with the, like the forests and donating and just trying to help with the conservation of... I was actually going to throw out the Sheltoe Trace because you and your wife are currently hiking that. Yeah, we're section hiking it right now. And I've already hiked the whole thing. That's a good so idea, man. Maybe, maybe we could work something out with the Sheltoe Trace Association, maybe work in something, maybe do it live <laughs> on TV. Or on not TV. Yeah, we're going straight to NBC. No. Straight on, dude. But, uh, but we, could do, we could do a podcast, like a live stream, and, and yeah. shave the beard and do some, raise some money for, for the Sheltoe Trace Association and help the... Yeah. Help out the trace a little bit. It would definitely help with some conservation and just advancing the trail. And yeah, yeah, I'd be down for that if I do shave it. Okay, 
If I okay. don't, then obviously we can't. We yeah. try to help in another way. We could we could set up some tiers. You know, if if you raise this much, then this, and if we raise this much, then this. Wow, some incentive. And here's the thing: like I would even, I would even trim <laughs> mine down if we raise enough money. I think that you should let me shave yours. If we raise enough money. And one eyebrow. If you let me shave one eyebrow and your beard. Uh, Ed, this is a crappy idea. Never mind. We're not even going to do this anymore. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding about that. But eyebrow, I, I, but that th- that's I think idea. that would be a cool idea. I mean, just, we're just floating the idea, folks. We're not saying it's going to happen. But, like, if you got ideas like that, um, shoot us a message. Uh, yeah. Let us know what you think. If you've got some cool ideas. But I think it'd be cool if, if um, we got to give back. I think, I think it's really important that, especially guys like us who um, have somewhat of a platform, a small as it is, we do have a little bit of a platform and we should use that to uh, help take care of these trails that we're always talking about and trying to get people to hike on. So yeah. I'm down. I'm all, I'm always just kidding about the money and stuff. Like I have a day job. We have a good life. I don't need uh I don't need to collect money to shave my beard. I was just joking, but, but the extra think, doesn't hurt. Yeah, man. I'm not going to complain if somebody's willing to donate. That's the truth. But, see, but I, yeah, I'm just playing, but yeah, that would be good, dude. Good to give back. Yeah. I wish we could. I was listening while I was backpacking with Bridget. I was listening to an audio book, um, the one they made the movie in um, in uh, Walk in the Woods. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's talking a lot about the statistics of the forest services that are underfunded, or maybe it's not forest service, uh, public lands. I don't remember whatever government organization that basically all they're doing is building roads through forests so they can log out and uh, make more Department money. Department of the Interior. I don't remember what it's Something called, like that. Yeah. but it's severely underfunded. We don't have nearly enough people out there to help conserve, whether it's like law enforcement in the form of like fish and wildlife officers that, you know, they're people just like us that right. are out there and they don't want to walk around checking licenses to see if you can fish legally or not. Right. To check hunting tags. Yeah, it's part of the job, but really their job is to make sure that the land is there for everybody to use. Right. Not just, you know, a select few and then we're wasting it away with continuous logging and not replanting or whatever you have it. Right. So right. I think that would be super cool. Yeah, and, and the cool thing about the Sheltoy Trace Association is it's pretty young as far as like trail associations go. Yeah. The trail was founded in the nineteen seventies. It's a very young trail. Um but uh it really didn't get started they didn't really start taking care of it until like the last ten years, I think. So uh, it's it's kind of the trail association is pretty young. So financially, they're not rolling the money right now to help take care of the trail or anything. So yeah, um, it'd be cool to do something maybe to to get back to that a little bit. I think all the um, pretty much all the long trails, even like the long trail, as in like the first right. officially completed in the Vermont Long Trail, which was the long trail, and it's really young, like nineteen hundreds. Yeah, relative to. If you say people have been alive for thousands of years and this thing is a hundred years old, that's very, very young. So the even the AT is also really young. Well, let me ask you this: Do you think uh, do you think trails right now um, are in better are going to be in better shape because of the break they had, especially like the Appalachian Trail and the Long Trail and things like that, where they mm-hmm. basically said no hikers for at least a couple months. They didn't have anything. Yeah. Um, do you think that the earth kind of used that time to heal a little bit? Do you think the ground kind of like recovered from what tends to be year round feet steps? Yeah. Foot traffic all over it. I hope so. And there's something that people don't think about is we do so much. We do stupid things as human beings and we're all hypocritical on this. 
somebody called me out for saying this. I think I made it on Facebook post, which is a terrible way to communicate anything. Yeah, every with, time. Yeah, endless characters. But I commented on something, and I was like, we're all hypocrites because right now I'm sitting in this house that we had to take land away. You know, even if you don't go as far back as the native people that lived here before us, even if you go that, hey, this was a forest and now it's a subdivision or whatever it may be, and we live here and we're using fossil fuels and we have electricity and all this, we're all being hypocritical when we say, you know, we can't do this, this, and this in the forest because you're literally living your life where where you're going as a vacation. That's what it was before. And we do crazy things. We Sometimes we'll, like, transplant animals. Like, you know, Australia, they put in, um, I think it's Australia or New Zealand, they put in... They brought cats in because they had such a mice problem. Yeah. And you can fact check this if you want. But they had brought in these cats to kill all the mice, and now they have a rampant problem with cats. Thou- thousands, millions of stray cats everywhere. Yep. We, we'll bring in stuff. We, we have burn lines and forest fires. You know, it's a tragedy that people die in them and that they're destroying property. But there were forest fires way before we had made any established living space there. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the, as you were talking about, like the growth, the natural growth of the environment. That is, you know, it's refertilizing the soil. Well, you think of either yellow, I can't remember if it was Yellowstone or if it was, uh, um, oh, it was the other Yosemite. I can't remember which one it is, but uh, they at one point removed all the wolves from yeah. from the park and when they did that the entire ecosystem fell apart yeah because they hunt certain animals that need to be kept taken care of and when they didn't those animals were eating up all of the grass and the trees and drinking up all the water and everything just got out completely out of whack until they reintroduced wolves back into the park and everything evened itself back out again there is a yeah. delicate balance in uh in nature that if you mess up one little thing, it can really mess up the entire thing, which leads me to what we're talking about today. Well, I'm cool talking about this, man. We can well, hold it to the next episode if you want. Uh, I, I liked what we we're going to talk about, so I kind of want to bring it up because it was really good. All right, all right. And and that's taking care of yourself. You know, if we're going to take care of land, that's important. And when we go out backpacking, we better take care of ourselves leading into the trail. And if one thing is off, it can mess everything up. If you've got a bum knee and you walk funny, you could hurt your back. If you've got an ankle that's out, you could baby that hurt the and hurt the other leg because you're putting so much pressure on it. Yeah. You know, little things that you think wouldn't be a big deal can actually cause a a pretty massive uh, mess up for your whole body. So let's talk a little bit about how you prepare yourself for trails, how you prepare yourself to train and, and to hike and, and all that, and just kind of see where it goes. Okay. Well, I'm glad we got open platform here because... I haven't heard anybody talking about this on mainstream media and just across the U.S. So I'm going to bring it up because it ties into backpacking. First of all, I was, those of you who like have watched some of my stuff and that kind of thing, you know that I was way overweight. And in the U.S., I mean, we have a big, big problem with people who are just unhealthy. 
Right. Whether it's due to malnutrition and you're overweight, or maybe you're just overweight, or maybe you've developed type 2 diabetes or whatever it is. And we had um, this whole pandemic, right, very recently, and yeah. it's still going on. And s- something that we're not talking about is how to take care of your body. And I think one of the main things is checking your health and your immune system. And so if you get sick in the backcountry, that's a big deal. Somebody might have to rescue you. But with the whole pandemic and everything, you know, a lot of us are immunocompromised and don't even know it, have deficiencies in all kinds of vitamins and minerals in our body, don't even know it, you know. And Bridget and I have eaten a lot of fast food, and that is one way that I had put on so much weight. And I lost all that weight right before I started backpacking. And it helped me immensely because I was the – everybody on my first backpacking trip was really skinny, right? And then I had been weightlifting. I was super fit. And I noticed all their packs were substantially lighter than mine, like by a good 15, 20 pounds. I brought everything. And we're climbing mountains in the Smokies, right? We're we're talking five, 6,000 feet. We don't have mountains like that where I live. So I could have just – walk the whole way, but they had to keep stopping. And even though like physically their body didn't look like, you know, that they were unhealthy, they are because they're not drinking enough water. I think everybody should drink enough water first and foremost. Right. Cause your body's mostly made up of water. So if you're not drinking at least like half a gallon of water a day, you know, you, you could definitely be helping yourself by drinking more. And anytime I'm going backpacking, the first thing I'm thinking about is I need to drink at least one gallon of water the day before I start. That way I'm already ahead of the game because if you go out there and you start backpacking and you haven't drank any water, then you're going to be screwed. I was going to say, whenever I go on a trip, one of the things that I like to do is I like to uh, I like to drink two liters of water before I even get to the trail. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like Came to, on, uh, I'll, on, on the drive over, I will drink two liters of water. That way, uh, especially on hot days, like right now, like summer in Kentucky, mm-hmm. 90 degrees, 85, 90% humidity, um, sun beating down on you. I camel up big time, and uh, sometimes I'll drink more than that. But I'll I'll stop at a gas station or something, grab a couple liters of water, if not more, and I will have that all gone by the time I get to the trail. That's good now thinking. for the first couple hours, I'm going to the bathroom about every fifteen twenty minutes. But <laughs> but uh, it it really does it sets you up for success. You got to feel bad for the girls too, like Bridget. Oh, yeah, she she'll do the same thing, and she'll like drink out of the the hose from the bladder, like run it through the backpack and she's got to pee like once every hour or so. Yeah. And you know, it's easy for a guy, the girls, you know, they have like the she and stuff, but I just feel bad for you. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. It's just genetics. And for ladies to go to the bathroom, it is not nearly as convenient as it is for us guys. Exactly, man. So it, the other thing is though, it, in the summertime, I find I don't have to go to the bathroom quite as much because I'm sweating off yeah. so much of it. You sweat a lot. So you, you don't necessarily have to go as much, but, uh, that's definitely one thing you can do that can help prevent injury and help, uh, prepare you for the, for the hike. What are some other things that you do to, uh, prepare? Well, I also just like try to maintain a healthy diet anyway. And I think one of the reasons why in the U S that we don't talk more about that is because the people who are in charge that have been elected and everything, their pockets are being lined by these, whoever you know, whether it's Coca-Cola or whoever is selling all the sugary drinks. 
and all the stuff that's like making you have an unhealthy diet. Well, and let's let's step even further into that a little bit into the realm of full on conspiracy theory. Um, <laughs> I'm not you, a conspiracy theory. I'm not either, but uh, I've I've read some studies on this stuff, and and one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of these studies about the use of sugar in your body and all that mm-hmm. are um, partially sponsored by Coca Cola. McDonald's and these companies that sell a lot of sugary, heavy things, and they're the ones funding the studies. Yeah. And you kind of have to look back and go, okay, so why would a company fund a study that's going to work against themselves? And you start to wonder, maybe we're not getting the whole story sometimes on this. They're not. There's a lot of bias. And I won't I won't dive like super deep in, but I do think that we need we need to take care of our body. That way when we go to the backcountry. You know, you don't have to change your diet so much. You need a lot more carbs, I think, when you're backpacking. That's something. Oh I'm yeah, doing yeah, is. yeah. I bring a lot of that because, you know, protein's great. It digests slower, but your uh, your energy, like your quick burst energy, protein's good for your dinner. Yeah, that's good for the dinner the night, like after you're done for the day. Keeps you warmer too. Keeps you night. warmer at night, and it gets you ready for the next day because yeah, it's slower burning and everything. And you're repairing those muscles. You. Yeah. But some easy, easy things I do. I'll get off the health kick, right? I'm not like super healthy guy or whatever. I just try to take care of my body and drink enough water and, you know, cut out the pop and stuff. But I do think it's important that we at least mention that. But on the trail, I did the Vermont Long Trail, and you're hiking every single day over and over and over. You know, it's not like you're going out for two nights and then you come home, you're like, oh, I'm sore, but you know what? I can take a shower. I can eat whatever I want. I can get some Gatorade. Okay, it's not like that whenever you're out there for multiple days at the time. So a few things that I did that's easy is if you have any foot problems that are due to lack of support, you need to get inserts on your shoes. Insoles mean everything. Yeah, they help a lot. They do. If you're going to go with a zero drop shoe, then make sure you're wearing that before you go out because it'll like destroy your calves because you're not working those muscles. Yep. And now what, what insoles do you use? Uh, I just have pinnacle power steps, which are not very good for backpacking because they're like a plastic layer yeah. and with a layer of foam on top. And so like water and stuff isn't good for them. It'll start destroying the foam. Okay. But around town and that kind of stuff, I always wear them. But if you can get something that's a little bit like graphite, if you can get a graphite insert, like a half mm-hmm. insert, and put that under the factory insole in your shoe... I think those work great. Yeah, depending on what arches you have. I was gonna say I'm, I use Tread Labs, and uh, they came out with one last year that was for active people like hikers and backpackers and stuff like that. And I've been using those and noticed a huge difference on my foot pain and uh, just how tired my feet get when I'm doing all of that. Um, that's kind of that's kind of something that for me kind of helped things out, um, but. Uh, what else? What else do you do to kind of um, to prepare yourself for what's going on in the backcountry before I go out? Yeah. What do you do? What do you do before you go out? Um, like we have a Colorado trip that those of you who are listening to this, we've probably already been now. But I I started weightlifting and I noticed that helped a ton, especially like. I'm not a big fan of doing lower body. Like who is right? You get right. these giant, like muscular guys that 
have little legs, but it's important to for me to lift lower body because I can notice a huge difference. That and playing anything that is going to playing any sport that accelerates my heart rate really helps. Whether it's running, whether it's playing basketball, whether it's soccer or whatever, um, that anything that's getting your heart rate above you know 120 beats. Yeah, 100 beats per minute, 120, somewhere in that range. There's some pretty intense meals that I've eaten that have done that. Um, <laughs> some <years>. Taco Bell. <laughs> gets the heart fluttering. Just gets so excited. It just, you know, that's what happens. That, and then when I'm out on the trail, we were talking about, like, feet problems. I dealt a lot with plantar fasciitis because I'm a teacher and I'm staying on concrete a lot. Oh, yeah. So before the trail, I you know, I'll if I'm going to wear shoes, I'll try to break those in. But then out there, you can buy... Um, like a really light cork ball that you can roll your feet on. And I forget the company. Well, you can even use a tennis ball. Like some people yeah. take a tennis ball out with them and they'll just use that on the yeah. trail. You can take any any that you want, even like one of those little rubber bouncy balls if it's big enough that it's going to yeah. create space between your foot and the ground to roll on. That helps a lot. Anytime I'm going for you know, anywhere over two knots, I'd really like to have that because your feet just get sore. I remember my first 20, 22-mile day. And That's I remember hard. I was by myself. I was solo backpacking on that trip. And my feet were so sore. I was doing a section from uh, Yamacraw on the Big South Fork to uh, Cumberland Falls here in Kentucky. And mm-hmm. it was on the Shell Toy Trace. And uh, I remember camping that night and being in my in my tent. And I just couldn't get my feet to not hurt. But they're throbbing. Oh, they were so sore. And I'd never hiked that many miles before. And... Uh, I remember when I got home, someone saying something about getting a ball and, and rolling your feet, and that will help with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, now when I go out, I always have something that I can kind of use under my feet if I'm going to do long miles. I haven't done a 22-mile day in forever at this point. There's no, reason, there's no reason to right now. But, um, but yeah, it's amazing how much that can help with your foot pain when One, you're out. Something that really helps if you don't have anything is if you're near a creek putting your feet in there for like 15 minutes or like I love stopping at a cold Creek for lunch. Cause I take my shoes and socks off and I stick them in the Creek while I eat. Right. And then they feel so good and refreshed. Even water crossings. Oh yeah. Will help. But if you, if you get to camp and you don't have anything, if you use trekking poles, you can collapse them. And it's really, really good. You can use it kind of like a foam roller. Mm-hmm. You can roll your quads out, your hamstrings and your calves. You can also use it on your feet. So Bridget, you don't pack you don't pack a foam roller with you when you go backpacking. <laughs> I haven't yet, <laughs> but I could be known to. <laughs> but it works great, and especially like Bridget and I'll go together sometimes. And you know, if if her quads are real sore or something, then I can take that the trekking pole, and you can put a little more weight on there, and kind of like, you know, break those muscle fibers up where they're oh, getting yeah. tense. And the feet, the same thing. You can like step on it. You can hold the trekking pole. Well, and another and big roll your feet. Another big one is when you get to camp, put on camp shoes. I'm a huge fan of camp shoes. Oh yeah. I, you know, I know a lot of people don't like. I know. I don't think Mister Backpacking with Jason Sir uses no uses them I at think all. He but unties his shoes and then that's it. Yeah, that's it. I, for me though, I like to put on a pair of just flip flops and just kind of let my feet breathe. You know, let them let them out, let them dry. You know, my favorite camp shoe. Those ninety nine cent flip flops at Walmart. Like, oh, I know. Buy five pairs of those, five dollars, it gets you through the year. I have a pair of flip flops that I have had for seven years. Is that your camp shoes? Those are my camp shoes. And People they're Nikes. Wear- they're like high high end. Are they a lot? High end, yeah. I like those little foam ones, man. Yeah, that's 
basically they're just fancy little foam ones. Yeah, that's but what's they're up. super comfortable, and I can walk all over the place. I don't have to worry about my feet getting messed up, stepping on something, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so <laughs> my friend Hunter, he was going to do the AT this year. I guess he's going to do it next year, but um, he uses the Injinji socks, and he has those like super flat, minimal, yeah, like sandals. Yeah, I'm like, man, I don't know how you do that. I would definitely blow out a foot. There are some people that hike the entire AT barefoot. That is the most crazy thing. Can I've you ever imagine heard. that? Can you imagine that? Like, but you you got to think. By the time they're done, their feet probably have a half inch of callus. Probably, it sounds awful. Yeah, but at the same time, it's probably glorious. Imagine being the person at the spa. Like, they get done and they go to the spa. <laughs> that's the first thing they do. Taking the pumice stone and trying to work that stuff off. Yeah, that would tickle real bad. Oh, grinding off half inch of callus. Dude, I don't even know if they feel it. <laughs> I don't think you feel anything anymore. That'd be awful. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about. We talked about feet. We talked about hydration. Uh-huh. Let's talk a little bit about joints. Let's talk about how do you prepare your joints yeah. for hiking. So, it, people don't really think about it. They'll like say I have bad knees and stuff, and I I will say that same stuff too because my knees, where I was overweight, it just like is grinding on those knees. Yeah, and knees and back is where I was feeling it the most. Right. And a lot of times with the back, maybe you just have a leg that's a tiny bit shorter and it's making your hips out of line. And you can go see a chiropractor to kind of like work that out sometimes. But with my knees, we would use a special um, balm. I just happened to be in a trail family with a nurse and she had... Wait, how did you pull that off? I don't know, man. That's it, pretty awesome. Yeah. We that's had pretty a, awesome. We had an odd group, but she had this special like organic... Um, balm that we put like on sore muscles. It took care of it. It's crazy. But the knees, strengthen the muscles around. You got to think all your knee is is like this, like your fist, and then a hand cupped over it. And oh, all yeah. it does is moving that joint. So your knee really doesn't, it does a lot, but it really doesn't, there's not a whole lot to it, right? It's got some tendons right. and ligaments, but right. it's just, you know, swiveling. And the muscles around it are really, if you can strengthen those, they're going to help. But on the trail, Number one thing that helps my knees is stretching. Oh, Every yeah. morning, at lunchtime, and before I go to sleep. Now, I want to say something because uh, I think the people need, y'all need to hear this. Jeremiah has started a new form of working out. <laughs> he has, he has, he's starting to, uh, he, he's starting to become one with his chakra. And he, he started, <laughs> he started doing some new workouts. You want to kind of explain what you've been into lately? Yeah. I don't even know what chakra is. But got one life, live it. <laughs> so I I'm not very flexible. Yeah. And I think it's important to work on your flexibility, especially because of your joints. Right. So you're putting a lot of stress on those joints when you're not flexible. And I've never been super flexible and I played like brute force football and you didn't really need a whole lot of flexibility. You just get down there and hit somebody. And now, as I'm getting a little older, I'm weightlifting and all this stuff and still trying to stay active. I was like, I'm going to try doing some yoga. And I I guess it's a form of faith. I'm really uninformed. I don't know a whole lot about it. But doing 30 minutes of yoga, dude, I was so flexible. I can imagine. Yeah. So yesterday, I did 30. I, like, typed into YouTube. 30 or, like, beginner yoga. And so what I did was 
I just started and you do all these different poses and loosen up and do by the end of it, the child's pose, which if I'm not mistaken, you're basically down on all fours and your butt is kissing the back of your heels. Well, that's what, that's a child's pose, child's pose. And your hands are stretched out in front of you. And you're just kind of like, you got your forehead kind of like this, you get your forehead on the floor. Yeah. And my knees, dude, I got to the point where my butt could actually touch my feet and my knee, like full calf against my, um, hamstring. No and joke. I don't think I've ever been able to do that. And that was just 30 minutes of yoga. And they're talking about energy and, connecting with the earth and i was like i don't know about all that stuff but the stretches feel amazing no offense if if you're into that kind of thing i'm just not you know yeah, UBU yeah. or whatever but i think that even some basic stretching like you don't have to do yoga or whatever right some people like backpacking the at and i wake up every morning and do 20 minutes of yoga before i get started cool that's good you do but that. if you can do like three or four stretches like i'll do a quad stretch hamstring stretch and calf stretch and that's it you know Wow. I think it's all you need. That's still pretty good because I don't even do that much. Yeah, dude. It helps your knees a lot. Well, I, I will say um, one of the things that, that I've learned over the few years I've been I've been backpacking and really hiking for almost five, six years now, um, your ankles have to build up a dexterity when it comes to twisting and, and turning and all that because... I don't know if you watch a lot of martial arts, but there's some martial arts where they they will walk on the sides of their ankles. I've never seen as that part before. of their workouts, and they'll get to where they can do that, and they stretch those wow. ligaments to a point where that doesn't hurt. There's no pain to that because, like what you're saying with your with your yoga, yeah, everything in your body you can stretch. It's pliable. Bones are the only thing you can't do that with. Yeah, but ligaments you can stretch those too to where they can handle. Yeah, more. at least some yeah. load. Yeah. And, and so one of the things I've learned is the best way to prepare for hiking is hiking. Yeah, that's very, it's, very true. It, you don't have to do 20 miles a day or anything, but just get out and do like a three, four, five mile hike a couple times a week. Get your knees used to that kind of beating. Get your ankles used to that kind of, of turning and twisting because you're going to step in holes. You're going to step on roots. You're going to step on sticks and rocks and your ankles are going to twist. It just happens. It doesn't matter when you go hiking. You're going to do it to some degree. Yeah, and people like will buy boots and stuff to help prevent rolling their ankle, but you definitely, if you step wrong, like mechanical injury is real deal. Yeah. Bridget, like where Bridget d didn't really play sports and stuff growing up, when we get out there and she rolls an ankle, she gets really scared because I play basketball and you roll your ankle Quite often. Yeah. And it hurts, but you kind of know when you can keep going when you can't. Yeah. And she doesn't. And the more the more experience she gets and the different feels and you get, you know, I don't know. It is kind of like you connect a little bit and you get a flow. One of the things you learn, too, with rolling your ankles, if it's a minor one, just start walking. Don't don't give yeah. it a chance to swell. Just start walking and, and keep walking. And it's the whole idea of walk it off. Actually... There's something to that. If it's minor, yeah. Yeah, if it's minor. No, you're not going to do this if you really jack your ankle no. up. But I don't, I don't know a hiking trip I didn't go on where I didn't twist my ankle a little bit. Yeah, you can I'm not talking like injury, but I've, I've twisted my ankle in just about every hike I've been on to some degree. And it may not be like a major league falling kind of thing. Sure. Um, but you're going to step and you're going to go sideways a little bit. Your, your ankle's going to twist a little bit. You're going yeah. to have those little things happen. And if you're not hiking a lot, your ankles and knees aren't going to be prepared for it, and you are going to struggle. 
yeah. when you get out on the long trail. Yeah, you got to get a feel for it. And when I was on the long trail, sometimes like I'd have ankle or knee pain, and I would take just like the Sawyer bags, the Sawyer squeeze bags, and I'd fill them up with water, and I'd walk straight over to like my shelter, and I would put that as kind of like an ice pack. Right. I'm not. I'm really trying to take less ibuprofen. Whenever I was hiking every day, I was taking at least four a day, like two in the morning, two at night. Yeah. I really think that's terrible for your liver. And if your body, if you need like six ibuprofens a day to do that, you, I really think it's definitely possible that you're causing like irreparable damage to your body. And I don't want to do that. So sometimes you kind of got to have to. Well, but I know when I was doing... Uh, when I was doing some longer miles on stuff that we've talked about before, uh, I was I was dropping some major ibuprofen at night because I was. T- I mean, like we said earlier, the foot pain, man, that foot pain's for inflamed. real. It hurts. Yeah, and you you don't you can't sleep because you're just the feet are throbbing, keeping you awake. I can honestly say I've never had like severe knee pain mm-hmm. on the trail, but I, I have had foot pain, like where you're just your feet are done, you know, and and they're they don't want to go anymore. I was going to mention this too about the like the knees and how you step and stuff. Yeah. I whenever I was really fat, I was getting really bad um patellar like my patellar tendon was getting like super inflamed and I had hurt it really bad and I actually had to do PT. Like losing weight and doing PT is what nursed my knees back to health. Oh wow. Every single day. I was taking like 15, 20 minutes a day to do this PT at home or driving to a physical therapist and having them to like work with me and with resistance band trainings and doing like you do different exercises with stairs and the way you step and making sure you're placing your foot right so you don't hurt your knees. And one thing I learned is you're walking through the woods and sometimes it's just not the train's not very friendly. Right. And so you kind of have to step weird ways. But if, if you can do anything to keep your knee from going past your toes, that takes a lot of stress off the patellar tendon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it, like at the gym, I'll even go as far as instead of doing forward lunges, I'll do reverse lunges because it doesn't put as much stress on the front of the knee, which is where I was having my problems. That still aggravates me. Yeah. And the ibuprofen helps because really it's inflammation. But mm-hmm. the only key is to just be healthier, make sure you're not dehydrated. You're taking care of your body, putting good things into it. Well, and there are uh, there are certain exercises that are going to help you a little bit more when it comes to getting ready, especially if you're going to do a lot of uphills, things like lunges yeah. and squats, exercises that are going to work those muscles behind your legs, uh, that are going to help your hamstrings and your glutes that are going to they're going to build those up so that when you're doing those climbs, you're not going to get fatigued so quick, right? Because um, fatigue is a big deal. Like you yeah. get to a point. I think everybody's experienced who's, who's done a lot of hiking. You've experienced that one time where you're hiking and you get to a point and you're just like, I, I'm done. That's where you get hurt. I'm too. done. Yeah. And you're like, okay, where am I camping? Cause I'm done. This is, yeah. this is the end. Like when you have to push on and you're super tired, it's just like sports, right? You get lazy with the move and that's where you get hurt. Right. 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 Or maybe you're weightlifting. You're trying to push the weight and your forms off because you're tired. And you're gonna hurt something, or whatever and, it is, dancing. And anything. form is everything. Form is yes. everything. Even even in hiking, you know, you've you don't want to just sloppily run around. You you want to be really intentional. Intentional. I almost made up a new word. Intentionable 
You need to be intentional about your movements, Jeremiah. It's you very do. important. And the trekking poles help too. They really a ton, do. in my opinion. But especially I, on downhills, I think. Oh heck yeah, dude! I hate downhills. I'd actually rather walk uphill. Yeah, you know, you know, when I did Kilimanjaro, the I didn't have a single blister for all uh, for all seven days until we started going downhill. What kind of shoes did you wear? Uh, I was wearing Merrill Moabs. That's a good shoe. I was very wearing those. popular. And then and then for the last uh, part of it, I was wearing some Solomon. Uh, XD Alpine 300 plus extra super incredible spend all your money on me boots. Why'd you switch out? Uh, because it was Arctic weather when we got to the top and those Moabs uh, were not made for that. And yeah. I needed to protect my feet and keep them warm. Cause it was, uh, I think I mentioned it in the last podcast. It was like zero degrees with a 30 mile an hour wind. And it was like a 30, like the wind chill was negative 30. And so uh, if we weren't wearing something on our feet, one of the guys almost got frostbite on his feet because he was just wearing trail runners. Wow. And so, yeah, you really need to change out your footwear. I mean, I think I was double up, doubled up on socks even because it was so cold. That's insane. Yeah. So, so how did you get I, ready for that? for the most time. How did I get ready for what? The Kilimanjaro. Walking, 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 stair climber, stair climber, walking, walking, stair climber, stair climber, walking, stair climber, stair climber, stair climber. Freaking walking. stair climber. Dude, I, I, I tell hate you, those. It, what makes me mad about, at myself, this, is, this makes me mad at myself. I was doing almost an hour on a stair climber mm-hmm. at a time. That sounds like, awful. In one shot. Like, I would just put a TV show on, the TV in front of the stair climber at the, at the gym, and just go. Just zone out and just watch. And I messed up my back doing that, though. What Was it poor posture, like I'm sitting right now? It was me holding my arms up in up. one position for an hour, on the holding the bar, mm-hmm. because I, they never moved. I had a muscle behind my right uh, shoulder blade that tensed up and got caught under my shoulder blade. No way. Oh, yeah. I've never heard of that. I hadn't either, but now I've experienced it. It was not fun. But, I mean, it was one of those things of – but I will say that that kind of training uh-huh. – I was fine. Like I was, I was the third one up to the top of our group when uh, we went to the top of Kilimanjaro because I had trained my tail off. That's not saying that there weren't people there that were in better shape than me. Right. But I, I definitely wasn't holding the group back. And that was really the biggest thing. I didn't want to be the one holding the group back. I said it a bunch, but I'll say it again. Experience is the best teacher. It so is. Like you said, just getting out there, even if it's three miles hiking in the woods near your house. That is like the the perfect training for what you're going to do. And some people, I'll see like people, um, I think you talked about altitude mask. And if you want to train by, basically your body works is, you know, you've got your cardiovascular system and your muscles and your heart pumps blood that's carrying oxygen from your lungs around right. the body. And so when you, you know, the oxygen feeding into the muscles and the more efficient your muscles are, at using that oxygen, the more athletic, not more athletic, but the higher endurance you're going to have. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So restricting that oxygen to where, you know, if you had 100%, now you've lowered it to 95, that could be a big difference. And right. it trains your um, cardiovascular system to work on less oxygen, which in turn, you know, you always want to train harder than the game. Make practice harder than the game. Right. So if you do, the game's easy. Right. That's what I think. But I'm not a doctor. No, I think you're right. And, and the the oxygen mask was one of those things for me that helped out a ton because uh, now I did get the police called on me a couple times. Did you really? Well, if you can imagine some <laughs> dude wearing a Bane mask and a backpack walking around his neighborhood 
you know, at 10 o'clock at night. They probably thought you were a lunatic. They thought I was the scary. I, one woman was said she was terrified of me and, until she found out who I was and what I was doing. And then she thought it was great, but she was terrified up, up until that point because she was just, here's this weird looking guy with this mask on. <laughs> Walking with a backpack, he looked pretty rough, you know, just walking around. And so, um, but yeah, that, that was really helpful. Um, and like I said, just getting out and just walking, like you're not, when you're hiking, you're not running, you're not jogging, you're, you're walking. And so if you're not someone who has the kind of knees that like to run or you just don't, you don't want to run, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to train for hiking, you start off by walking, but then you've got to at some point start hiking. And you need to find hills. Well, hike hills. Hike lots of hills. Like yeah. hike so many hills that uh, you forget what it's like to hike on flat ground. You know, it's there was a there was one place I like to hike called Shaker Village. And um, the thing that's really cool about Shaker Village is that um, they have this one hill, and I, I've nicknamed it. I don't know if anybody. I don't. It's a trail a lot of other people don't hike, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I liked it because it was my trail. I didn't have to worry about running into anybody. Right. You know. And, uh, so when I was on that trail, I had this hill that was towards the end of the trail and I just called it butt kicker hill. That was my name for it. it butt kicker hill. Was it steep? It was steep and it felt like it was never going to end. So you start off and you're going up this hill and, and you get to where it looks like it's going to end, but it actually turns right and keeps going up. And then you get to the end of that section. Like, okay, I'm finally there. And it turns left and goes up again. And you're like, what am I supposed to do here? And then it turns left again and keeps going up. And then right when you think you, you, you're done, you look up and realize, no, I've still got to go up there. That and, is butt kicker. And it's a butt kicker. And it's a, it's a mental one, which is another reason why it's a good one. Because you know as well as I do, when you're hiking hills, it's more mental than it is physical. Yeah. Because you can convince yourself you can't make it. Well, those false summits, too, are so defeating. Yes. I hate them. But you, the, the, the mental aspect is really important. So it... Preparing for hiking isn't just about the physical part. It's about the mental part. And you need to, you need to stretch yourself mentally when you're hiking. Because the more you can handle, like you said, it's better off to push yourself really hard. Mm-hmm. And then when you go out to do like a trip like you're doing, where you're going out to Colorado, yeah. you're going to be on a 12,000-foot mountain. Yeah. Well, you better – you got, what, three days to train for this yeah. thing? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. But, just got to uh, do some more yoga. Yeah, just some more yoga. You'll be good. But you, you want to train like – Doing hills, like find right. find a place nearby that you can just get on hills or do a stair climber. That stair climber, more than anything I did, just prepared my legs. Because when your muscles get that muscle memory of hiking up a, a hill and they get to where uh, the fatigue doesn't set in for them, mm-hmm. you, can, you can hike as long as you want. Like yeah. the moment your wheels go out, you're done. There's no getting yeah. around it. Whenever, um, I may have said it before, but. Whenever I lived in Ecuador and there was a lack of oxygen, come back. You know, you could run up five flights of stairs. No right. problem. But, it, I mean, it goes away quick. Um, another thing you can do, like, just as a tool to use while you're out backpacking, is anything that, you know, is going to distract you from how difficult things are. Like, I don't like to mentally check out. Right. But I do like being entertained while I'm doing it. So my favorite thing to do is hanging out and talking while I'm backpacking to a certain extent. Sometimes you want some alone time. You just want to hike by yourself. I was going to say, that's me. I'm the, I'm the guy that like, you guys go ahead. Not that yeah. I don't love you. I love every one of you. I'll talk to you at camp. Yeah, like, we'll just see, let, me, let me do my thing here. You get a long time at camp to yeah, hang out anyway. Yeah, that's kind of the yeah, hang out anyway. That's kind of the way I am. 
But if I'm if I'm hiking with somebody I don't know very well, it's very very entertaining because it gives you an isolated, undistracted place to get to know each other. Right. And I love doing that. And you know, if you're doing something that is a long trail and you're going to be out there for a month or two or whatever, you meet so many people. And if you want to get to know them, you can. Mm-hmm. And if if that's not your jam and you do want a little distraction. I like to, I got kind of got a routine where I like to listen to the birds and nature and stuff for the first hour or two while I'm backpacking. Right. And then I will listen to music or a podcast or audio book or whatever. And that's just kind of the way I like to do stuff. But I still like to be able to hear my surroundings around me. Yeah. So maybe one earphone or if you have some that have transparency where you can hear through them, that works out really well too. But, uh, yeah, I think it's important to stay in touch and know your surroundings, but a little distraction doesn't hurt either. No, I, I would agree with you on that. I think uh, for me, um, I'm one of these people, I don't want to listen to music. Um, like a lot of people put in here in headphones and just start listening to music or podcasts. Yeah. Um, I'm indoors 90% of my week. And uh, for me, I've said this before, like it, like I would call hiking my worship service. I would call it my connection, you know, with God, I would call it my, um, my escape from cement and metal and air conditioning and TVs and computer screens and iPads. And for me, when I get out, I really do want to hear the animals. I want to hear the wind. I want to hear the Creek when I walk by it. I want, I want to experience these things. I want to see the deer that runs by that. If I'm listening to a song, I'm not going to hear the footsteps. I'm not going to see it. Um, and so for me, I, when I go hiking, I just want away from all that stuff. Uh, I'm like, just leave me alone. That's why I hike with some people and they think I don't like them. <laughs> and it's like, no, I promise you're, you're cool. Like we're going to have plenty of time to talk later in camp. Um, unless it's like a really long hiking day. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll, cause I'll get plenty. I mean, if you're hiking, let's say six hours, seven hours, eight hours, you know, whatever it is during the day. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. That's different. I mean, I would definitely hike with some people and talk to them and do that kind of thing. But a lot of times I just kind of want to do my own thing. Yeah. And and part of that too for me is 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 mental because my life has a lot of noise in it. You know, I got a 2-year-old and a 3-year-old and they don't stop and uh just a lot of noise. My job is very social, so there's a lot of people in my life that is very social. And and so for me when I get out in the back country, I'm like, let's just yeah, check out of the matrix, yeah, man. Just get, get me out of here. Let's just go enjoy what we're doing. I mean, that for me is just as important as the trail itself. It's just being in nature. Yeah. And I love it. And, and, but, but to get back to what we're talking about, not being prepared makes that harder. Yeah, you don't enjoy it as much if you're out of breath. You don't enjoy it as right. much if your legs hurt, your feet hurt, your ankles hurt, your knees hurt, your back hurts. Um, even something as simple as how you pack your backpack matters when it comes to getting ready for the backcountry. And if you don't know how to pack your backpack correctly, you're going to be in big trouble because if the weight's distributed the wrong way, you could really hurt yourself. You could really damage your back. And, and so there are so many things that go into preparing your body, your mind, your psyche, you know, everything to get you prepared so that you can do a longer backpacking trip. And if you've never done it before, it can feel terrifying. Yeah. But don't let it scare you out of starting. You know, you have to, like we were saying, experience is best teacher. Don't let it scare you out of, like, actually getting out there and doing it. But there's or be a lot terrified. 
<laughs> just live your life in fear. <laughs> we, Never yeah. go into the backcountry. That was the next thing I was going to mention is the gear aspect. Um, we, you know, we as a Western civilization are really guilty oftentimes of trying to buy our way out of problems. Right. But there is an aspect of backpacking that you can kind of buy your way out of some of the issues that you run into. Mm-hmm. And that is you find that happy medium where the gear is enough, but it's also lightweight for relative to what you need. And that is a huge thing because as I mentioned before, on my first trip, my backpack was huge and all the gear was super heavy and I had a bunch of stuff that I didn't need. So figuring out what I didn't need was the first step. And the second step was the big pieces of gear, like your your big three, your backpack and your sleep system and your tent. If you can dial those in, then you can cut a bunch of weight and that just makes your ton of weight. Oh, all kinds. And it costs some money sometimes. Yeah. But it's a process. It's not like just I'm going to throw everything away and then buy all new stuff. You may One piece want- at a time. Exactly. And, and I, he- I like the way Dan Becker, um, he did a video on what you should buy first. Yeah, that and was really that good. That was really good because his thing was buy your backpack. You don't buy your backpack first. No. Buy your tent first. Right. And then when, after you buy your tent, buy your sleeping pad, your sleeping bag. And then from there, buy your backpack so you know those things fit and you mm-hmm. still have room for everything else. I think um, that's great for beginning. Yeah. Now, once you get up there and you want to restrict yourself, mm-hmm. like if I get a 45-liter backpack for the summer months, then it does restrict me, and that can be a tool if you know how to use it to keep from taking so much crap. You know, it's funny you say that because a lot of people who struggle with getting too much stuff in their taking too much stuff, it's because they have so many pockets and it's a huge backpack and they want to fill it all up. And the defense I found against that that can keep you from doing that is to not use stuff sacks with your sleeping bag or your quilts. Like if yeah. you're backpacking or if you're if you're using a hammock, your quilts, mm-hmm. shove them in the bottom. Yeah. And and then put stuff on top of that and it'll push down as you go. But you can also use that to fill up some space in the bottom of your bag so that your bag is full and it's it's fully supportable and it's it's in you know, it's where you need it, mm-hmm. but you don't have to put as much junk in it. And, and like I started doing that, and I found like I get to the end, I'm like, man, this looks full. I know I can put more in, but I don't think I want to. You know, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's just it's a mental thing, but but something as simple as that, where you shove something down in there, you don't put it in a stuff sack because once mm-hmm. you put it in a stuff sack, it's fitting where it fits. Yeah. But when you shove that backpack down, or not backpack, that sleeping bag down on the bottom, you mm-hmm. shove those quilts down on the bottom. Um, they'll take up a lot of space if you want them to. Yeah. And it, that can really help defend against that. You can compress them to take up less space. I, I really do like the cushion at the bottom. That's the way I do it, too. I'll yeah. put it in a compactor bag and then stuff the sleeping bag and yep. clothes and stuff first. But I have a couple friends, um, and they're married. They both do backpacking. One refuses to use any stuff sacks for anything, and the other has stuff sacks, I won't say for everything, but like for they most group things. it, yeah. right? Here's hygiene, here's sleeping bag, here's clothes in this one, here's yeah. my water system in this one, and so on. And they <laughs> they buy a lot of the same gear, but it fits into the backpacks differently. And they have like, just like Bridget and I have the female and male version of the same bag, they have the same bag too, different bag than ours, but they have the same bag, female and male. So essentially they have about the same amount of space, similar fit, same pockets and everything, but completely different. And it's funny, whenever we go with them, 
Like <laughs> even even the food, one of them doesn't put any of their food in a stuff sack. They literally stick it in the backpack. What? This is the only person I've ever seen do it. And it's, like I said, to each their own. Like, I do things a little bit different than you, but... What do they do about animals and stuff? I I guess that she has, like, a bear bag that she can hang. Okay. But even if, like... Maybe I shouldn't say all the food. She may have a food bag, but, like, if she's looking for a snack, like a protein bar or something like that... the top? No. It's just floating around in there somewhere. She'll, like, fill around. I don't think it's the most efficient way. That's great. <laughs> I think it's kind That's of funny. great. But I can't hate on her because no. it's just a different way. Hike your own hike, it. man. Yeah. Hike your own hike. Just do it different. It's Gosh. okay to be different. So so we've talked about hydration. We've talked about food. Mm-hmm. We've talked about joints and muscles. We've talked about your psyche. We've talked about your equipment. Is there anything we're missing here that we need to be talking about when you're preparing for the for the trail? I think so. Uh, the one thing that pops out, I'm sure there's others, but um, like I'm a terrible example because this Colorado trip, if you heard the last episode, um, I'm just kind of showing up. Right. But not really. I mean, I'm an experienced backpacker until they write an article saying I've fallen off a cliff or something, right? There you go. There you but go. knowing the terrain, like knowing, don't, don't get over your, don't get in over your head. I was going to say the exact same thing. You know, yeah. the, the maps, knowing how to use a map knowing how to at least be able to use the compass on your phone. And if nothing else, having the map downloaded on your phone with live GPS so you can see which direction, like you can point your phone, that's super, super convenient. Something else that's really important is understanding the elevation you're dealing with and the difficulty of it. Because if you don't and you just go out and say, I want to do this trail, and you're not in the fitness shape that you need to be to do that, you're going to have a miserable time. You may quit backpacking after that. Yeah. There's nothing that will deter you from going back out than being miserable on the trail. And so it's really important for your health even. I mean, there are people that really get messed up being on, on elevation they shouldn't be on or a trail they shouldn't be hiking on. And I say that as a man who is not skinny. You know, I, I understand this stuff, you know. I, but I've, I've done over 19,000 feet of elevation. Yeah. You know what it takes. And I've done 2,000 feet of elevation, you know. They're and, different. And they way. really are. And and. But you, you need to know what you're capable of before you get out. And that's why all this is so important because the last thing that you want to have happen on a trail is get hurt. Right. Yeah. And so this is all stuff that can prevent that from happening. This is so that when you go out, you do have the best time. And when you get done, all you can think is, when can I go back out again? Yeah. And disclaimer, neither medical professionals just experienced a little bit in our life. That's the way we do it. I'm totally a medical professional. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not. No, it's all good. Well, hey guys, it's been an hour. And Another it's been, hour. Yeah, it's been. A, it's, we <laughs> we're did supposed, it. We're supposed to go 30 minutes, and uh, we didn't. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and end this one. But uh, Jeremiah, good time as always. Yeah, dude. Good time as always. And uh, looking forward to hearing about your trip, maybe in our next podcast. It's coming up. It's gonna be awesome to hear about it, man. You're going out with some pretty famous people, so. Hope it rubs off on you. We'll try to do some videos too so people can check it out. I'd like that. I would like (laughs) that. I'd like that. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to the Backpacking Podcast. And until next time, we'll catch you on the next go-around. Adios. Adios.